0: Uh welcome back to the Florida History Pod Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire, And last week Robert interviewed me about my new book, and now I'm going to interview Robert Buchellato about his new book. So Robert, my uh my co-host, uh normally today you are kind of in the uh in in, in the grilling seat uh and <laughs> you have penned a sequel which comes out on August 4th, in a couple days, on um on, on Run Runners and Moonshiners of Old Florida, uh, the, first, uh, uh, the first book, uh, part one, as I guess we'll now call it, uh, was phenomenally successful. Uh, it's a book that I refer to often and uh, got a lot of popular cred around the state. So now you're doing another book on this. Is this a continuation or is this a sequel?
1: Uh, well, I, as much as I hate to admit it, because I know that a lot of sequels right now are crashing and burning at the box office, um, I would I would probably say that it is more in the vein of the sequel. Um, it obviously is going to take place, uh, you know, the same time as the first book. It covers the uh, period around prohibition all the way to you know when the, the dry and wet counties um, were struggling to suppress moonshiners and bootleggers even into the 60s and 70s uh, but there there's a lot of differences mainly the fact that the first book focused uh, predominantly on North Florida and Central Florida this book It is going to still kind of talk about the legislature a little bit, and it's going to talk a little bit about North Florida, but most of that is going to deal with the time period after Prohibition. All of the stuff that deals with rum running and Prohibition is going to be uh, basically from
0: Tampa downwards, so it is going to be a much more South Florida-centric book. Yeah, and, uh, so much of the Prohibition Era, I think in the U.S., so much of the significant, uh, stuff around the Prohibition Era in the U.S. took place in that part of the country, uh, from Tampa South, uh, along the Gulf Coast, and, uh, uh, along the Atlantic Coast from, uh, let's say kind of Cape Canaveral South. And, uh, in fact, gangsters were a big part of the lore in southern Florida, and as we know, eventually in the Tampa Bay area also. Um, so, how, um, how is this book different than the first, uh, beyond the obvious geographic context?
1: Well, a, a good part of the first book deal dealt with um, the temperance movement. And most of that, if not all of that, is uh, pretty much omitted in this one. The reasoning being that, you know, it's a sequel. We've already covered that stuff. We're moving on to territory that we haven't really talked about. So um, it really just kind of jumps in right into uh, the meat of the crisis, which is the smuggling operations that began. Right after Prohibition started, it also deals a lot more with the sort of mom and pop early forms of moonshining, where, um, just like every single craze, whether it was filmmaking, whether it was the internet, whether it was, um, you know, telecommunication. It all usually begins with a few small-time entrepreneurs who sort of make the product out of their garages, or in this case, out in the woods. And then uh, they get a little bit of success, a little bit of exposure, and then the big boys come in and take a- over. In this case, it was. The mafia and so it sort of shows that sort of dynamic a uh, little bit more um, in depth but um, also uh, one of the the things and it's something that I've enjoyed the most probably in this whole process is um, as I said we do talk about the legislature they are always very colorful uh, characters um, as we all know Uh, especially back in the day uh, legislators don't usually play by the same rules as ordinary people even if they are the ones that are passing legislation uh prohibiting alcohol it's not going to get in the way of their entertainment so a lot of the first book dealt with that concept this concept uh for this sequel deals with um how the legislators sort of partied and interacted during the golden age in the 1970s and 1960s and 1980s, and it deals with uh, the battle in the state to raise the drinking age from 18 to 21, and some of the really just wonderful anecdotes that took place during that seven year struggle to do so, namely that... um, you got more votes this sponsor of the bill got more votes every year because a number of legislators that were against the measure the year before their younger children had turned 21 so that they were now able to purchase alcohol when their drunk legislative fathers um could no longer take the car keys so (laughs) once once the legislator knew that okay my kid can still go out and get uh, some more liquor, more ice, you know, and leave me in a inebriated state, relaxing with my friends. As long as I'm covered, I'm okay with raising the drinking age now. (laughs) Um, My grandfather being one of these people. (laughs) Uh, uh, um, Sorry, Ann Dot. But, um, you know, so that that was a lot of fun. it, it really is a lot more anecdotal based. It's a lot more photo and art based. Uh, there's about 300 images in this book, uh, which is more than double the last book. Um, and it, it's really just a lot more fun because the foundation has already been established in the first book.
0: So what, specifically about this subject, uh, uh prompted you to write a sequel because obviously you've written a lot of books now you've done a lot of photographic journeys i mean the jimmy carter uh, in plains books uh, springs to mind uh, as does the florida governor's uh, lasting legacies as a very kind of photo-centric book but in this topic area you've been able to, co- to marry photos with words uh in a way that maybe some of your other works haven't done in in quite the way this has jumping off the page so is that is that part of the motivation here
1: well you know it all uh, originally began um with uh my publisher originally i was going to do it with my publisher um but i i went in a more visual direction you know i wanted to do all the artwork i wanted to do the cocktail recipes and you know they eventually said you know look this we hate it to say this because we know it's going to be successful but you have a vision for this you can go ahead and do this and make another book with us which became uh, presidential vacations Um, but originally it was all their idea I would never thought about doing something like this they you know talked to me and they were like well what's the next book you want to do and I say well you know I'd really love to do a book on the golden age of Florida politics and they said yeah we're not going to do that what do you want to do And I said, well, you know, I'd like to make another Jimmy Carter book. And there was a a lull on the other end of the phone. And they said, okay, well, have you ever thought about writing something that people would want to read? And I said, oh, okay. And uh, so they they introduced this concept to me Um, when I finally finished it. I was so just like a a kid who finishes a math test. I was like, I'm never going to have to do this again. Um, But they turned out to be right. And I would get flooded when I would do a book event. Like, you know, I mean, it'd be some in some places, you know, 80, 90 people. One place had about 150 people, Um, which when you're writing about Florida history, you know, that doesn't happen and so it was such a universal topic and when you're when you're writing about governors and presidents and stuff like that um, the people that are always going to be so enthralled by it are going to be the people that are connected to it or the people that are you know political or presidential fanboys but everybody knew Um, a moonshiner or a rum runner. So all of these people would be coming because they had stories that they wanted to share with me. And um, it was so frustrating because I spent two, three years trying to get anecdotes from people and they wouldn't do it because they didn't know what kind of book it was. Now they were coming to these events and they would tell me a story and the story was so brilliant. It was in the book. And then they would always end with, do you think that would be something good to put in the book? As I'm signing the book and handing them the copy. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, do you think you're going to put it in the book? And I said, no. <laughs> I, just, I just handed you the book. And um I eventually just thought, you know, I – I just, I got to make another one. And so I put a lot more of these anecdotes in there. um, And that was, that was really what kind of got me going thinking, you know, I just, I, there's a whole other part of the state I got to
0: talk about. um, And there's so much more interesting anecdotes that I got to put in. Yeah and um also as as I have been recently kind of racking my brain and rewatching uh films and a lot of mob history uh, d- I realize Southern Florida had a huge part in just kind of the national mob movement during Prohibition and during the Great Depression. And uh, so the, the the connection to write another book about that part of the state, uh, focusing on that part of the state, is really natural. I have to ask you, are there any more cocktail recipes in, in this book?
1: There are exactly 10 new cocktail recipes <laughs> um, and with original artwork, but we also have a, um, a lot more appendices in this. Uh, because it was the second volume, we decided that we are going to have a lot more fun with it. And so um, there is a four-page manual, step-by-step, about how you could make your own moonshine. And there's also another appendices where it is a step by step list of recipes that were served at speakeasies so that you could have your own speakeasy themed party. So, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of fun in this book. Um, We really just uh, tried to make it as fun as possible this time around. you know, and that was, um, you know, that was definitely the cocktail recipes. That was something that everybody was tickled with. They loved the artwork. They loved the the concept of there being cocktail recipes at the end of every chapter. And that was just a given that that it would have to be included this time around.
0: So, Robert, how can we order the book uh, when it's available on August fourth?
1: Um, it's going to be available um, everywhere books are sold. Barnes uh, and Noble, uh, Books a Million will have it. Um, I always uh, try as hard as I can to have the best prices on Amazon, um, so that is what I'm going to do. Uh, I, you know, I, I can tell you right now if I made this book with a publisher. Just the fact that it's uh, well over 200 pages, that there's so many images, it would probably go for, um, especially for the hardcover, which is coming out in, it would be about forty dollars. Um, Barnes and Noble Books a Million are probably going to sell it in the twenty range. Um, on my author page on Amazon, it's probably going to be about seventeen, eighteen dollars. Um, I always make sure that uh, I have the best price because, you know, I'm not so much interested in a profit. I'm interested in you guys getting the book and being able to afford it and
0: enjoy it. Great. Thank you so much, Robert. And again, August 4th, the book is out and, uh, uh, we're going to continue the conversation about this topic in upcoming Florida history podcasts. Thanks for listening.